Glassworks for another installment of our immediate post-match reactions. This is Tom Adams here to discuss Bayern's recent 4-0 win over Schalke in Gelsenkirchen. The result increases our gap at the top of the Bundesliga table to 7 points over 2nd place RB Leipzig as Bayern take advantage of the opportunity to create that gap given that Bayern Leverkusen, Borussia Dortmund, and Leipzig all didn't win this match week prior to us kicking off against Schalke, but that's what champions do. We take the most of our opportunities. And again, to round out the scoring for Bayern, Thomas Muller's header in the 33rd minute from a Joshua Kimmich pinpoint cross, Robert Lewandowski's right-footed effort from a tight angle, again assisted by a brilliant long ball from Joshua Kimmich, uh, Thomas Muller's header in the 88th minute off of Joshua Kimmich's free kick, just by the right corner flag, which rounded out the hat-trick of assists for Kimmich. And then, of course, Alaboom, David Alaba's strike in the 90th minute that really knuckled, gave Farman a lot of trouble. There was nothing he could do about it, perhaps. Didn't see it until the last minute, but nonetheless, that rounded out the 4-0 win for Bayern Munich. Uh, and the final whistle went just after David Alaba's free kick. So, uh, again, as I often do when I do these post-match uh, immediate post-match podcast. I haven't looked back at any highlights yet. Essentially, I've just gone and you know had myself a bit of a water, got my microphone ready, and I want to give you my raw thoughts uh, as usual. And uh, you know, it's hard to say that anyone would have expected this result to go any other way, as uh, Schalke are obviously uh, in a very, very difficult situation this season and uh, are in dead last and really, really face an uphill battle to get out of the relegation zone. But still, nonetheless, I thought. With the setup that Schalke went with, I was a little bit interested to see that Christian Gross went with Benito Roman, Mark Utz, Amin Harit, and Matthew Hoppe, all up front, all attacking-minded forwards uh, or midfielders. And I thought perhaps that he would have gone with a more defensive-minded uh, lineup to kind of negate all of the attacking threats from Bayern Munich. But then when I, th I think about this a step further, I think... Part of Gross's logic was perhaps to try and maybe get an early goal uh, and then sit on it and then really uh, shift back and do a defensive shell, uh, so to speak, for the remainder of proceedings. Because, you know, he had guys like Omar Mascarell uh, on the bench who usually wears the captain's armband for Schalke, uh, Nassim Bujaleb, who wound up coming on, uh, obviously, in the second half, Malik Tia, which was another defender that was on the bench that I thought. You know, he could have gone with five at the back or five in midfield uh, instead of having four uh, attacking-minded players, like I said, with Rahman, Ut, uh, Harit, and Hoppy up front. But as I said, I, th I think he might have been trying to nip an early goal. And as we saw, Schalke did have their opportunities in the opening stages. Uh, Manuel Neuer was uh, perhaps a little bit busier than he would have expected uh, upon a return to his old club. Mark Ut had a chance that forced a close-range say from Neuer, uh, Benito Roman had a couple, Suat Sardar had a few chances himself that curled just wide that had Neuer scrambling and I was a bit personally I was a bit uh, shocked with how open the match was uh, in the opening I would say 10 to 15 minutes before Bayern really started to gain complete control and start to dominate possession and start to generate chances themselves it seemed that as if in the first 15 to 20 minutes, it was a chance at one end, chance at the other end, chance at one end, chance at the other end. And as I said, just a bit more open than I would have expected. And uh, again, we saw a back four where we saw Niklas Sula line up at right back. Left to right, it was Alfonso Davies, David Alaba, Jerome Boateng, and Niklas Sula just behind Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich. 
aka the best midfield pivot in the world. But I think what part of Hansi Flick's logic when he does put Zula at right back, when I try to dissect this, you know, because I remember sending a tweet during my live tweet of this match that, you know, sometimes it's a 50-50. Sometimes putting him there works. Sometimes it really backfires uh, and causes a lot of problems and isolates uh, either Boateng or Alaba, whoever is hanging back, you know, we have numbers committed forward. But I think part of his logic is, you know, ironically enough, I do think Zula got forward quite a bit in this game, especially in the second half on a few occasions. But I think part of Flick's logic is, you know, the dynamic of Zula going forward versus either Buanasar or Benjamin Pavard is just a little bit different. Obviously, Zula is a bit bigger of a guy, and I know uh, our very own Chuck Smith jokes about how, you know, when def- opposition attackers go up against him, they might feel a little bit intimidated because there's usually always a uh, a bit a bit of a size difference between, you know, an attacker and Nicolas Zula. But I think what it is is, as I said, the dynamic of Zula going forward versus whether it's uh, Benjamin Pavard or Buonasar is just a bit different, and perhaps he doesn't go forward in the same way or as far as often. And so what you have there is it always is going to provide that additional coverage because we know on the opposite flank, Alfonso Davies is always very, very involved on the tack and he can rely on his pace uh, to track back when Biner on the back foot or when, you know, they lose possession and attack turns to defense so he can track back and help cover for Alaba and Boateng because we know that even those two like to, you know, head very far up when we are in attacking or, or when we are in an attacking shape and, you know, oftentimes teams have found ways to, you know, receive possession, spring a counterattack, and play right through those two guys and completely eliminate our midfield with just a slew of, you know, one to two passes or perhaps a long ball over the top. So I think Flick's logic when he puts Zula at that right back position. So essentially, it has this coverage where instead of just having, you know, whether it's two or three or four attackers when they spring a counterattack from our opposition up against Alaba and Boateng. This way, with Zula not pushed up as far, it's essentially Alaba, Boateng, and Zula covering for whoever's you know, coming at us on the opposite end when Davies is committed forward. And yes, this sometimes isn't the case when Zula is pushed forward himself, but I think on the main, that is per- perhaps part of the logic from Flick when he chooses uh, these lineups. And you know that that, as I said, just kind of counters the fact that Looking at the lineup that Gross went with from the get-go, I think his logic was to try and get an early goal. And as we saw, most of Schalke's chances came uh, in the opening 20 minutes of proceedings. And then you really started to see Bayern uh, cement their dominance and gain possession, really control the midfield. I thought that Kimmich was phenomenal uh, today, which... You know, it's not often that he's not, but I thought he was really the midfield pendulum, uh, just really was the link between defense and attack. He was able to find his passes. He was able to play long balls, diagonals, lateral passes, give and goes with Goretzka, Gnabry, Muller, uh, Leroy Sané. Lewandowski was dropping out wide, dropping a bit deeper to get in possession. I thought that the movement was very, very fluid. Uh, which made it very, very difficult for Schalke to contain, especially since they uh, went with so many attacking players in the starting lineup and, you know, kind of left themselves very open. And then once Thomas Muller scored his header in the 33rd minute, I think you could kind of see the head start to drop a little bit from Schalke because uh, I think it even a neutral would have said watching this match after Muller's header, the only team that was going to score after that was Bayern. And, of course, three more goals came in the second half, but 
perhaps 4-0 flatters Bayern just a little bit because I, sh I thought Schalke, credit to them, they did do a good job of staying in the match as long as they did, keeping it 1-0 as long as they did. I, I mean, both both sides had their chances. Bayern slightly edged them in the first half and the beginning of the second half, but uh, once Lewandowski put home his chance in the 54th minute, you could just tell that it was... You know, this match had the danger of turning to a 4-0, a 5-0, a 6-0, maybe not an 8-0 like we had on the opening match of the Bundesliga season uh, this year some months ago. But, uh, you know, you could just tell that uh, Schalke were just, um, you know, a little bit frustrated to have done all the hard work and still gone 2-0 down. And uh, to Schalke's credit, I thought the double change to bring on Bujaleb and uh, Alessandro Schaff actually provided a little bit of life. There were a couple of instances you know, shortly after they came off where, where Manuel Neuer was scrambling and really had to make a save or, you know, had to be very, very alert to the situation ahead of him. And, you know, they got a lot of possession in Bayern's, in Bayern's third and, and posed some problems. But by that point, it was a little bit too little, too late, as Bayern had really asserted their dominance. Uh, I was not surprised, I should say, but, you know, Leroy Sané, again, looked very irritated to come off when I believe he was replaced by... Uh, it was the double change when Coman and Musiala had come on for both Sané and uh, Gnabry. I think Sané was perhaps just a little bit frustrated not to have gotten on the score sheet himself. I don't think uh, he was having a poor game by any means. I know he's one player uh, in our roster that everybody kind of likes to get on when he doesn't perform well or if he has a string of performances uh, that don't perhaps go well. But today I thought he did all right. Uh, he did you know, misplaced a few passes uh, at times. I thought tried to do a bit much as far as dribbling and trying to take people on when there were open open options to to keep possession and keep the ball moving and keep Schalke on their heels. But again, uh, I hope that's just a sign of a player that's hungry to get on the score sheet, hungry to be involved, hungry for consistent minutes, hungry to be the star man, and you know didn't want to be taken off. But I just noticed that uh, every other player that was taken off in this game didn't really seem to be bothered except for him but uh again i hope that's just a sign of the hunger and you know it, it means one thing right after they get taken off when you see the slow-mo replay it's another thing uh a few hours after the match a few minutes after the match i'm sure he's absolutely fine now and you know i don't think there's any undertones of a misunderstanding between flick and sane there and i think it's just uh you know he wants to keep fresh the uh, the important legs, and even Lewandowski came off. And you know you don't often see that, but he made way for uh, Chapo Moateng uh, towards the end of the match. Who uh, it was actually him. I was very pleased to see his close control on the edge of the byline. I know our very own J and D will be very very happy with that, but he's the one who won the free kick that Kimmich whipped, in, whipped into uh, Muller for his second goal in the 88th minute, just before uh, Alaboom finished things off with that. Uh, knuckled knuckle driven uh, effort from range that had farm on scrambling and you know perhaps he should have done a little bit better with that but that thing was really knuckling it was really moving the pitch didn't do anybody any favors today and I remember hearing the commentators say that Schalke perhaps intentionally didn't uh, refresh their pitch or change their pitch before the visit of Bayern just another uh, small facet that could could have potentially helped them uh, any edge you can get over the champions is, is something that you're going to do, especially if you're the team that's in dead last, you know, clawing tooth and nail to get out of the relegation zone. But perhaps we'll have Chuck Smith uh, get a Grassworks <laughs> dossier on that to make sure uh, nothing was uh, was foul and there was, you know, no foul play and that everything was fair and up to standards there. But, but nonetheless, just to tie everything together, um, 
I would I would conclude by saying perhaps four nil does flatter Bayern just a little bit, but they were the deserved winners on the night in Gelsenkirchen. Seven point gap at the top of the table over the second place RB Leipzig. Uh, and that's now three wins on the trot or on the bounce, if you will, in the Bundesliga, Freiburg, Augsburg, and now Schalke. So we can't have any complaints. We will get some rest this weekend, the rest of this weekend, I should say. And then next weekend, we get our chance at revenge against Hoffenheim, this time at the Allianz Arena. Of course, Hoffenheim were one of the teams to have beaten us this season 4-1 to one, way back in, I believe it was October or September. <laughs> Regardless, it feels like ages ago now. Um, but nonetheless, we will be back for that with a post-match reaction. And hopefully midweek, we will also try to get together, myself, Jake Fenner, and uh, Chuck Smith, to do a full Bavarian Podcast Works episode. Because it's been a while since we've been able to do that. <clears throat> Excuse me, we've had some scheduling conflicts, a lot of stuff going on. But nonetheless, we are doing our best to coordinate, get together, and deliver an episode for you guys where we can talk about all things Bayern, um, transfer market, which is obviously on the verge of closing uh, in, in just a couple of days. And so there's always a lot to talk about. Uh, but nonetheless, thank you for listening to this post-match reaction podcast. This is Tom Adams signing off. And until next time, auf Wiedersehen.